she tells him she's in love with him, breaks up with him, and then immediately starts dating somebody else. And this is her best friend. That sucks. Yeah. I support women, so you can... <laughs> Cancel me. You're on your own. <laughs> Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We're your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 211, Sex She Wrote, which originally aired on January 20th, 1999. And let me say, I think it's the best. Wow. Every scene, perfection. Every line of dialogue, perfection. We'll break it down. We'll break it down. Yeah, let's dive in. We're drinking a twist on the paper plane from a website called Remedy Cocktail Company. It's called The Love Note. And it is three quarters of an ounce of bourbon, three quarters of an ounce of Amaro Nonino, three quarters of an ounce of Aperol, three quarters of an ounce of lemon juice. And then the thing that makes it not just a regular old paper plane, two dashes of that company is lemon thyme bitters. I'm going to be really honest with you. I do not have those lemon thyme bitters. I just have the other ingredients. So I'm drinking a regular old paper plane and I love it. Warming me up on this cold New Jersey night. It's great. Yeah, it sounds delicious. Well, there's a lot to say about this episode. Do you want to dive in? Let's dive right in. It is a doos. So this episode opens on a montage of the three couples moments after we left them in the last episode. Dawson and Jen, Joey and Jack, and Pacey and Andy. All three couples talk about what just happened. They're all very mysterious and awkward about it. We know something went down between each of the couples, but we don't know what. The next day... In English class, we see that the class is studying mysteries, and Dawson's in the middle of giving a presentation. He says that in order to solve a mystery, you need to understand human nature, because it is there that the true motivation will always be revealed. He mentions that whether in novel or film, mystery is always solved in a classic denouement, where all the suspects are gathered in Act 3 and the killer is revealed. So Abby Morgan, meanwhile, is going to fail this project because she hasn't done one yet. Leaving the class, Chris finds a love note written by someone in the class to another person in the class. When Chris and Abby are reading the note, it says, sex changes everything. We need to think about this before anything else happens again. But the note is unsigned. Abby realizes that this is perfect for her project, a real life mystery. If Chris films the process of her solving this, she'll for sure get an A. She says that common sense rules out almost everyone in the class except for three couples, Pacey and Andy, Dawson and Jen, and Joey and Jack, who had sex. Abby realizes everyone is in the cafeteria right now and they're all sectioned off and they're three pairs. Now, if you remember from last week, Jen was pushing Dawson to put a sex scene in his movie, even though he's never experienced it. And then they had a little tryst in her bedroom, the results of which we really don't know yet. But in the cafeteria in this episode, he hands her the rewrite, and he reveals that in the new draft, the Dawson and Jen characters have sex. When it comes to Pacey and Andy from last week, he recreated her perfect date that she would want to lose her virginity on. But when it came down to doing it, he didn't want to. So right now in the cafeteria, she's thanking him for his understanding and how he was such a gentleman that night. Pacey got a test grade back, but when Andy tries to see it, he freaks out. He doesn't want her to see what he got. 
And from last week, you might remember that Jack posed nude for Joey because he ended up spilling a drink on her portrait. And they later share a kiss at the end of the night. So as if there isn't already enough tension and awkwardness between these three couples already, Chris and Abby start inserting themselves into each of the couples and dividing and conquering. They basically take turns telling one half of each of the couple that the other person in the couple has been blabbing about what happened that night and how they had sex. And they even go as far as to give Joey the new draft of Dawson's movie that has a sex scene in it. And they give Dawson the nude portrait that Joey did of Jack. So now Joey is convinced that Dawson and Jen had sex, and Dawson is convinced that Joey and Jack had sex. When Dawson confronts Jack about this, pretty much all but confirms that he and Joey did it. And when Joey asks Jen if the rewrites in Dawson's script are autobiographical, Jen also all but confirms that she and Dawson did it too. And Andy, meanwhile, cannot believe that Pacey would blab about their relationship or the other night to people in the school, especially Abby Morgan. And Pacey can't believe that Andy would think that he would do that. All three couples are a disaster. So everyone is gathered at school at night during a storm via mysterious invitations. It turns out it was Abby who gathered everyone here for the denouement, where she will reveal who done it. Joey and Dawson get into a huge fight, and they tell the other that they each slept with Jack and Jen, respectively. After a beat, Jen and Jack reveal that that is not the truth. Dawson and Joey are just trying to hurt each other. With one couple left, Andy swears she did not write the letter. And Abby says, of course she didn't. She checked the handwriting. It was Pacey, revealing that Pacey and Andy had sex that night. And that's why he's been so cold and distant. And as usual, a huge fight ensues. Andy rips into Pacey. Jen rips into Abby, saying that she's a terrible human being. And it must sink in because the next day, Abby refuses to hand in her project. And she takes the F over humiliating Andy and the group publicly. So Jack and Jen find themselves bonding again over being on the outside of Joey and Dawson. This first happened in the dance episode when they first met. So Jen says when she and Dawson have sex, she wants it to be about her. She doesn't want to be thinking about someone else. And Jen has to pull it out of him. But Jack says the reason he and Joey didn't have sex was because he couldn't get hard. So the next day, Pacey reveals the truth to Andy. The reason he's been pulling away wasn't because they had sex. It was because of his test grade. He got an A for the first time in his life because of her. She's opening this whole new part of his life up. You know, he always thought he was the town loser with no future and that he would never leave Cape Side because he wouldn't have any options. But he's starting to realize now when he applies himself, thanks to Andy, maybe he has a future. Maybe he will get out of this town now. And he's scared. She's changed his life and he's falling in love with her. So Dawson and Joey reconnect outside the next day. It's pouring out. They wonder why each of them didn't have sex with Jen and Jack. And they agree that sex isn't about the perfect setting or the perfect timing. It's about the perfect person alluding that they are each other's. So Dawson and Joey decide again to try to be friends, and this time they're going to go slowly. He asks what she thought of his portrayal of her in his script. And she says, I like the way you see me. So they walk through the rain, and he covers her up with his coat, creating a very iconic image in the Dawson's verse. And that concludes Sex She Wrote. Who had sex? We were along for the ride. We didn't know either. I remember being like, oh my gosh, this is so suspenseful. So many jokes, such good dialogues, like witty. witty. I, it was a mystery. It was funny. Everyone like had the confrontations. Everyone interacted. It was unbelievable. Who wrote this? It was written by Mike White and Greg Berlanti together. Wow. We've talked about them both a ton. They are both very accomplished writers in their own right. This was both of their first jobs. It is amazing that the two of them are wonderful in their own right, and the two of them together turns out even better. 
Yes. I mean, it's crazy because Mike White was on season one. Greg was on season two. His first episode that he ever wrote was a few episodes ago, The All-Nighter. And, you know, Mike White has actually been writing a bunch this season. And it's so funny because, you know, I love Mike White. I love White Lotus. I love all of his shows. And it's just so funny that Dawson season two is one of my favorite seasons. And like he maybe he had such not maybe he had such a huge hand in that. Huge. And it's crazy that this was written in. So this was probably written in 1998, even though it aired in 1999. And it's crazy that 25 years later, like Greg Berlanti, Mike White, they're still mentioned every day in the trades. They're they're huge, heavy hitters in the industry still. Yeah. Just another way. Dawson's Creek is influencing the world, the industry (laughs) to this day. It's funny that they co-wrote this together. I know. I did not expect to see their names together. It was a surprise and it makes sense. This episode is so, so, so good. And they're both gay. We forgot to mention that they're both gay. (laughs) What if they had sex? Who had sex? (laughs) And you know what? I was talking about this episode with my partner because I was like, this might be one of the best episodes the show has, I think, done as far as entertainment value. And I was explaining it to him. And he was like, a love note. It's like, that wouldn't, like, you can't even do this today because there would just be a text. I know. I really was wondering that notes and passing notes and like between class notes were such a big part of my high school and middle school experience. Is that something that's just completely gone now? I don't know. I have a focus group of like high school kids that I ask stuff to. Oh, can you raise this to them next time you have a summit? I will ask. Yeah. Thank you. This might answer your question a little bit. I asked her... Because, you know, I was watching this Netflix movie, and I think it was uh, Do Revenge. And just that moment, it's so tropey now, but in hacky, it's when something, a scandal breaks out at the high school, and then everyone get, everyone's phone goes off at the same time, and everyone's checking mm. their phone in the hallways in class. And I was like, are people on their phones in class? And if so, like, is it against the rules? Or is the school like, okay with it? Are you allowed phones for emergencies? I mean, she's a good kid, but she told me, she was like, our generation is not nearly as obsessed with social media as like you think we are. Like we're on TikTok and that's it. We don't have Instagram. We don't Facebook, any of these things. Hmm. So according to her, like they're not as reliant on phones throughout the day as we think they are. But like at night to socialize and on the weekends to socialize. Interesting. Let us know. Yeah. All you, um, but it's not even Gen Z. What's the newest generation? I don't know. I can't, I can't anymore. This Gen Z girl the other night, uh, we were on the dance floor. We were dancing. This little girl who was like 22 kept bumping into me with her backpack because they all have to have a backpack in the clubs, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> like, why does she have a backpack? And she's bumping into me. And it's gasolina. Da-da-da, gasolina. Yeah. That. And she's like looking at me like, why are you here? Get away from me. And I was like, it's gasolina. Like, you were a fetus when this was on, if you were born even. An embryo. Yeah, get out. This is my dance floor. Okay. And then you killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Judging me for wanting to dance to Gasolina? How dare? Who directed this? This episode was directed by Nick Mark. He's new. He is new. He is a very accomplished director, though. Same as most of our directors. He directed some Wonder Years, Northern Exposure, X-Files, and then he kind of deep-dived Deep dove, dived deep. Deep divin. <laughs> <laughs> Into this, the WBCW universe, he did Charmed, Roswell, Angel, Gilmore Girls, Buffy, Veronica Mars, mm. October Road, 90210, The Reboot, Life Unexpected. Not that all of those were WBCW, but a lot of them were. He directs two episodes of Dawson's Creek, this one 
and one next season. Good for him. Yeah, to come in for an episode like this, which is kind of a tonal shift from our usual programming i think he did a really really great job i would agree i liked the rain you like i mean i wasn't joking when i said that image of dawson and and joey walking in the rain where he's covering her is a very iconic image you know like pacey and joey on the dock jen getting out of the cab also dawson and joey weren't together very long and they're not together very long in the future so there's not a lot of lovey-dovey i mean they're not even together in this episode but there's not a lot of material to pull from for like fan videos or edits or things like that. So I think that's why this image is so iconic. Amen, sister. Guess cash shout out? Guess cash shout out. So there really isn't anyone to shout out in this episode, but I thought I would kick a shout out to Edmund Kearney, who plays Mr. Peterson, who was with us in The All Nighter, which we talked about, which was also a Greg Berlanti episode. He is with us here. He plays the teacher, obviously. And he has, I think, another two episodes with us this season. He, he, he sure does have two more episodes. He sure, he does. sure does. He has an impact. And I thought he was worth shouting out. He's for sure worth shouting out. He's very funny, actually. And I I know him from the future two episodes we keep referencing, but I kind of forgot he was in a few before that. He's so sassy. Big time sass. If you remember in the last episode he was in, he was super sick and was leaving them like riddles on the door. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A few episodes ago, right? Yeah. And he said something very funny to Dawson. His flair for the dramatics or something like that. (laughs) He was like, that was good despite your flair for the dramatics, Mr. O'Leary. And he was just so funny with Abby. He's a funny guy until he's not funny. Dun, dun, dun. Until he's homophobic. Spoiler. Do you have any music moments? I do have music moments. And I did get to watch via this hacky download, the original music. Nice. I should start doing that. Yes, you should. So the opening song when they're being really awkward uh, and there's the montage, it's a seal song. And I like it. It's called Human Beings by Seal. Yes, Human Beings. And then the closing song when they're walking in the rain. What's that called? You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Yes. That song, that was my music moment. I loved that song. I had Now, Volume 2. Now That's What I Call Music, Volume 2 on CD. And that song oh was God, on of it. Of course. Such a good one. What other music was in that episode originally? There are only three on this list. And it's Human Beings by Seal, Life's a Bitch by Shooter, mm-hmm. when she's asking for signatures. Abby, mm-hmm. and You Get What You Give by the New Radicals at the end. Yeah, I love that New Radical song. I see, this is why, you know, remember when we had our Dawson's Draft music moments and we talked about it, like the, it has to be the right artist, the vibe, the scene. Yes. Like to me, this wouldn't have made a music moment because although I like the song and I like Joey and Dawson and what's going on, like it, it was a mismatched music. Sure. It didn't match what I was watching. Or what you were feeling. Yeah. Or what I was and feeling. when yeah. I hear that song, I don't think of that scene. I think of like all of the other things that were happening at that time in my life. I think of the video where they're in the mall. Do you Absolutely. I remember. Yeah. Well, what is your past versus present? The only thing I was thinking of today is I give Dawson a lot of Black in my brain and think he's really annoying and like self-involved and all the things that we always talk about. But today I was kind of like, you know what? Joey is kind of a bitch. She tells him she's in love with him, breaks up with him, and then immediately starts dating somebody else. And this is her best friend. That sucks. Yeah. I support women, so you can... <laughs> Cancel me. You're on your own. 
<laughs> they're playing games with each other for sure. Absolutely. They are. But I think I never really felt bad for Dawson. And this time I was kind of like, oh, actually, like, I don't feel bad for him because I can't stand him. But also... You can see that she's doing yeah. it to him too. Yeah. What about you? My past versus present is that I was literally the gasp I gasped when they revealed <laughs> that Pacey and Andy slept together. I was floored. I guess because they did such a good job of painting Andy as like being kind of virginal and then like a good, and a good girl, you know, and like not that sex is bad or sex positive on this podcast. But like back then, like teen pregnancy was plaguing teenagers. Not so much now, I guess. These I read a report that teenagers don't have sex as often as we did. Their thing is like social media and mental illness. Our thing was like teen pregnancy and like drinking or driving. Well, also there's just like way more conversation and education around sex, I feel like, than when we were growing up. It was very much so like a stifled culture. And now they're talking about sex constantly. But also, yeah, Andy was just painted as this good girl. And, you know, then sex in high school is like kind of taboo. Or I was a nerd. Either way, I just think this time watching back, I was like, obviously, it's Pacey and Andy. It's so obvious it's them. The thing that I think, and we'll get into this further when we open the episode up, like they really do a a misdirect at the end of the last episode when Pacey and Andy leave the bed and breakfast and get into his car. I want to, we need to talk about that when we table it or don't. Should we just open it up? (laughs) Yeah, let's open it up right now. Do you think Pacey and Andy, when they left the bed and breakfast in the last episode, it was done? Or do you think they went back in? I, thought they went back in that's what i thought then but i think do you think but that now, now i don't know i don't know i didn't i didn't change i didn't really think about it too hard this time i think back then i just thought like linearly we saw pacey and andy leave oh, but if yeah. we're being told now they had sex then they must have gone back in sure but i feel like if you check out of a bnb you're checked out i think or hmm. they did it in the, no they didn't in the, do car. It in the car <laughs> i think they did it before they left yeah, that way, that makes way more sense. So knowing what we know, Pacey and Andy had sex in the bed and breakfast. They left. So what do you think happened? Pacey said, no, I'm not ready. I don't want to do this with you. And then she convinced him to do it. I think that his resistance made her so comfortable and like so, so want to do it. And like turned on, yeah. And then her enthusiasm brought him back around. Yeah. He's a teen boy after all. Okay, okay, okay. So then Jen and Dawson, we think just maybe did hand stuff. I bet they just made out. I don't think Dawson knows okay. what to do with his hands. Uh, they have porn at the video store. As, as established, it's canon. That's true. And then we think Joey and I think Joey and Jack just kissed. Oh, big time. But also... <laughs> <laughs> the way Jack is talking to Joey, if truly nothing happened, he's like basically trying to gaslight her into thinking they had sex. <laughs> Or is he trying to like convince her that it is crazy? He's like, you don't regret anything about last night. But I guess he means just seeing his privates. Yeah. But also to skip to the end of the episode in a moment that we'll go deeper into, Jack opens up to Jen and tells her the reason that they didn't have sex was that he couldn't get it up. Yeah. But didn't wasn't the whole issue in the last episode that he got an erection and she like, got scared yes to recap last week he was posing nude something awkward happened that we can only assume was him getting hard because he was talking about how sex was art. like art 
later dressed, they kissed and then started getting hot and heavy. And I suppose after that, he could not get hard. But also, do you know how I struggled with how to word that in the recap? I kept deleting it and I didn't know if I should type, couldn't get an erection, couldn't get hard, couldn't get it up. Anyway, he couldn't. Couldn't perform, but also... I don't think Joey would have been on board anyway, obviously. She basically says that in the last scene. Yeah, because Dawson's the right person. Snore. Snore. Well, since we're just like jumping around all willy-nilly, one of my favorite Abby lines is when she's talking to Dawson and she says, after all these years, you weren't her first and you certainly aren't going to be her last. So I guess that makes you her nothing. That was so good. I know. Right before that, she says, this is when she goes over to give Dawson the nude portrait. She says, Jack McPhee, drawn naked, Dawson Leary, drawn out of the picture. (laughs) (laughs) So good. That's great. I don't know if I picked up on that, actually. Since we're on the Abby one-liners, when she's going through the suspects, she's going through Dawson and Jen. She says, what did she say about Dawson? He's on the rebound and God knows she loves to bounce. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then Chris says, what about you? Do you like the bounce? She was like, oh, Chris, your lines land like bricks. (laughs) But then when she wants his help and he's kind of like, why would I do that? She's like, I'll let you touch me in bad places. And it reminded (laughs) me of Sarah Michelle Gellar in Cruel Intentions. Just like, oh, yeah. Like it just had that vibe. I'll let you put it anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also when Jen when Jen confessed to Abby that her and Dawson did it, just kind of like to piss Abby off or to get her off her back. Chris is like, you did it, you solved it. And she's like, please, getting a sex confession from Jen Lindley. That's like Bill Gates admitting he made $2 last year. <laughs> yeah. She's incredible. She's Abby Morgan. Abby Morgan being written by Mike White. Unstoppable. What could be better? Unstoppable. So we have our awkward interactions. The letter is found. I kind of glanced over the full letter in the recap, but the full letter states, I want to talk to you about last night. It always comes out wrong, so I thought I'd write it down. The whole night was amazing, but having sex changes everything. And I think we should take some time before anything happens again. It feels very unpacy to write that down. He's just such a say what I mean kind of guy. I don't know. He's changing. He is changing and he's scared. He's terrified. <laughs> Another reason it's so obvious that it's them is because like when she she first sees Pacey in the cafeteria, she's like making out with them hardcore and he has to be like, stop. She's like giving him a tongue bath. Was your cafeteria, it's weird to me that they're sitting separate. Like it's like two, two, two. But mm-hmm. then I realized that the cafeteria is small tables. It's like little four person tables. We had big round tables, like. 10 people could sit at what was yours like we had we had uh rectangular tables but also very long like with benches or chairs yeah the bench was attached and it was a long table i'd say i could seat yeah like 12 maybe yeah i also really it really brought me back to see the nantucket nectar all over the cafeteria oh my god yeah really brought me back they must have been a sponsor because there's like coolers filled with nantucket nectars Mm-hmm. What do you think of Jack's nudie portrait? It's very paint me like one of your French girls, Titanic. It is. <laughs> and he acts like, I mean, obviously, 
everyone kind of acts that way, but he acts like it's like the most photorealistic drawing ever. He's like, whoa, don't be flashing that around. I'm like, really? It could be anyone. It could be any generic white dude. Yeah, it doesn't even show anything. It shows a thigh. I know. Let's settle down there, Jack. I loved when Dawson handed it back and Dawson hands it to Jack and says, tell her I was overwhelmed by her talent. And Jack goes, so was I. I know. Well, smirk. Yeah, that was very villainous of him. And then paralleling that is when Jen and Joey run into each other in the book fair. And Jen asked Joey what she thought of the rewrite. And Joey says it's a single-sided view of a story better left untold. And she asks if that's based on autobiographical, like if she and Dawson had sex. And Jen says, I'll let you ask the writer about that. Same energy. Everyone wants everyone to think that they had sex. Sex. (laughs) S-E-X. Sex culture really kind of has changed because it was kind of shameful to have done it. Do you know what I mean, Ben? But now it's like not. The sex positivity has shifted, actually. like It's like a cultural shift. Yeah. Now we live in a world where like parents buy their kids condoms and, I don't know, according to Sex in the City. When Abby and Chris are orchestrating this whole thing and trying to figure out who slept with who, there's a moment where Chris slips Joey because Chris is in Dawson's movie. Chris slips Joey the latest draft for her to read because he read the rewrite that we were just referencing and he wants her to know that there's a scene where Dawson sleeps with the quote-unquote girl from the big city next door that he has a crush on. Joey gets a little bit flustered, takes the script, leaves, and leaves behind the drawing of Jack. And Chris finds it. And just that little interaction of like him planting the script with her and then him finding the drawing was just so good. Yeah. It's a, such good writing. Such good writing. That was a good scene. That was a good little interaction. Yeah. Are you liking Chris? What do you think of Chris? Do you like Chris? Do you hate Chris? Do you think he's refreshing? Do you think he's funny? I like Chris. I think he adds like another dynamic. Yeah, I like him too. Like it's good having a fun little like bad guy kind of character. Yeah. Spices things up. You don't have to like him. So everything's kind of low stakes. Like they can make him do anything. Like ask Dawson for a (laughs) four-way. Yes. Exactly. He asked Dawson for a four-way. He's had sex with Jen multiple times. Maybe sex with Abby? We oh, Probably. He has slept with everyone. He's probably slept with Christy at this point. Jen has really taken to her role as a producer. Oh, she sure has. She's like, no nonsense. Passing out scripts. I need your schedules. Getting schedules. Look, Christina, I don't know if you know, but she's from the big city. She's from New York. <laughs> She knows how to be efficient, maximize her time, get stuff done. She uses curlers. She wears blazers. Leather blazer, big white collar. Her shirts have collars. She means business. (laughs) She does. She's a businesswoman. You know who else has collars on their shirts? Abby. Abby was wearing the most ridiculous velvet blazer with flowers all over it. And it had like a giant yellow collared shirt underneath. It was really a choice. Abby's fashion. I mean, you remember her hair in election. It's like, oh my God. Do I ever? Abby, she's, you know, she tries. She tries things. She's wild. She likes leopard print. Leopard's back in a big way. I know. Hate it. Does it ever leave? In, you're in Jersey, though. Does it ever leave Jersey? No, it's a neutral <laughs> in Jersey. You know what I thought was a weird choice? Yeah. What? <laughs> no. What? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> too many paper planes, too many love notes. <laughs> they had lit candles on all, like, a few of the tables at the book fair. That felt like a weird choice to me. Yeah, maybe because, like, what if we lose power? We need to have candles. It's a tinderbox. Oh, let me go light some candles at the paper factory. What are you doing? <laughs> That's true. I don't know. Well, Andy, wasn't Andy in charge of the fair? Andy, Mr. Peterson? Mm, yes. Mr. Peterson. Mr. Peterson's trying to burn the place down. <laughs> Mr. Peterson is the Capeside arsonist, a spinoff. The next mystery. Mr. Peterson hates everyone and he wants to burn the building down. Actually, that's a great point. Mystery solved. Let's talk about the hockey mask in Pacey's locker. Oh, I didn't even notice. He's Jason Voorhees. He's Friday the 13th. He's going to Camp Crystal Lake after school. <laughs> oh my gosh. I cannot believe you didn't notice the giant hockey mask in Pacey's locker. I didn't. And he has two pictures of Andy in his locker. That's so cute. And he has a rubber chicken. I know. That was a little weird. The things have really evolved from a couple weeks ago when he just had a Patriot sticker in his locker. Well, it was probably a nice little, it was probably an inside joke nod to Mighty Ducks, but... Oh, yeah. That makes sense. We should talk about how Chris is playing Dawson in the movie. Yeah. So he definitely took Jen's advice to cast an edgier. Remember the episode he was like, that guy's like Jimmy Stewart. And she's like, Jimmy Stewart doesn't fill seats. Yes, I do. And But I also think in that episode, Chris is, compared to the other auditions that we saw, Chris's audition was pretty undeniable. Yeah. He will be the romantic lead of Dawson Leary's next film. And who will the female lead be? We don't know yet. Right. We don't know who plays Joey. Abby Morgan is playing the Jen character. Right. So Chris and Abby's characters have sex in the in the draft. Do you? How do you think Abby Morgan got into Dawson's house? <laughs> I mean, do you think Gail let him in? Yeah, no, I do. I think I think she probably knocked on the door, but she's just so ballsy. She'll go anywhere. She'll say anything. It's so funny because like who who went over people's houses after school that like you weren't friends with? Never. This has happened twice now because Andy showed up once to tell about asked Austin if he had a crush on someone. And we were like, that's weird, but it's Andy and Andy can do a no wrong. And that's when she gives Dawson the portrait of Jack and says, looks like you're her. Nothing. There's also like a, it's uncharacteristic for this show to use a transition shot that isn't like exterior establishing school or exterior establishing Leary House. And Mm -hmm. between the scene where Chris and Abby find the drawing and Abby going to Dawson's house and giving him the drawing, there's a time lapse stock shot of clouds moving, which is like a very common way to show the passing of time but it's not something that we usually do on this show storm clouds the storm is coming right 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 there was a rain scene earlier and they said it's supposed to rain all week there are lit candles in the library there are lit candles in the library burning candles i told you wild right next to the nantucket nectar coolers (laughs) protect them at all costs Jen is standing in front of an idiot's guide to Walt Disney World. Said it before and I'll say it again. Joey doesn't lock her locker in this episode. And now her and Dawson's lockers are next to each other. Just have to say it. We don't have to talk about it. Sorry this keeps happening to you. Feel personally attacked. What do you think of this scene where 
Abby's gathered everyone. Joey and Dawson confess. Jen and Jack are like, ugh, no, we didn't. Why are you saying that? And then it's revealed that Pacey and Andy. What do you think? What do you think? I think it's an interesting scene because Joey and Dawson are so in their own stuff. Like, obviously, they're both lying when they say they both had sex. And the people that they're lying about are right there. What do they think they're not going to say? Oh, no, we didn't have sex. I thought that that was silly. Very odd. Yeah. Very, very bizarre choice to confess to something where the person you're confessing it with is in the room with you. I also found it odd that none of them left. Like, a couple people were like, oh, I'm over this. Like, why why are we here? Whatever. Do you think that the only reason they stuck around is because of their own curiosity? Like, about who wrote the note? Yeah, I think that's a good theory. I think Joshua Jackson and Meredith Monroe are unreal. Like, I just think their acting skills are phenomenal. In that scene specifically or across the whole episode? That scene specifically. Like, uh, but that scene specifically. The way she's... When you're watching it, you can't tell. But when you watch it back, she has this look of dread on her face. And she's just so heartbroken from all the Pacey stuff. And she's she sobbed with the rain. So you can't really tell if she, like, it's tears or whether it's rain. And, and he just knows what's coming. Like he has dread, this look of dread yeah. written all over his face. I just think they're such good little actors. Well, we know that she was 29. We know. <laughs> we know now she was 29. She was slightly older. But I mean, for him to be such a good little emotional actor at that age with his face, that's that's acting. No, that's what I call acting. Volume two. <laughs> <laughs> well, they say the best acting is reacting. <laughs> no, he is. He just looks so. He looks so. Disgusted and defeated. And disappointed and like all of the negative feelings. The eyebrows in this scene are Abby's, Joey's, Jen's, Jen's. tweezed within an inch of their lives. <laughs> Dawson's super bush, but they're doing a lot of eyebrow acting is what I'm trying to say. The tweezed eyebrows will never grow back. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> I may know that from personal experience. If I said the words big dick to you in regards to this episode would you know what i mean no okay there's a piece of set deck in this episode it is a word search in the back this is an english class it says big dickens and it has it's like a word search you know where you all the words are jumbled together and you circle the so big dick is circled and then it says ends like big dickens and then it happens again like set deck must must have been having fun. Yeah. Sometimes they do that. They'll just do like weird stuff in the background. They don't think anyone will see. Yeah. It says like Poe, O'Henry, Wild, Dickens. That's so funny. I never noticed. <laughs> so that must be Mike White and Greg doing funny jokes or set deck slipping in a joke. Love that. You gotta have fun, you know? Gotta have fun. Gotta have fun. So Abby not turning in. What do you think of that? Like Abby not turning in her project and humiliating people. Do you like that layer? Real redemption arc. I like that little layer for her. You know, she's not a total evil, horrible human. And I thought she played it really well when Andy leans down and says thank you before she goes up to present her own project. Monica Kina's reaction to that, I thought was like really 
she's like whatever or shut up or I forget what yeah. I forget what the words are but you can tell that she's like proud of herself or like happy to have yeah made her happy it's this coy little smile yeah what did you think of Jen saying to her I don't know where you come from or who's responsible for your miserable existence but you need to go back to where you came from and the fact that you're 16 makes me sad mad angry you're pathetic and she storms away I thought it was a little harsh. I mean, I know, I know Abby terrorizes them, but that was a little harsh. Yeah. I was kind of wondering, like, as I mentioned, she really stepped into her role of film producer. So she kind of has had this air of like boss bitch in this episode a little bit. And I wonder if that carried over into this scene where she was like, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to be the one to, you know, stifle this whole plan or whatever. Or if it was Abby and I were friends and I feel like I can like strong arm her into not doing this, you know, like, I don't know. What did you think? Could be. I mean, yeah, she kind of had that energy. It could. Yeah, it certainly could have influenced it. I just think, you know, also they're, they, they're on again, off again, friends. And she should call Jen a whore a lot. She did. Yeah. Abby's just caused a lot of hell for everybody. But it was nice to see that little layer to her. She took that F. Yeah. And. At the beginning of the episode, Mr. Peterson says, if you don't do this project, you're going to have to go to summer school, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's a big consequence. She's so determined to get this passable grade. Stakes are high. Yeah. I was a little surprised in my original watch that she didn't completely throw Andy under the bus. Or do something else, like do a... Yeah, she just takes the L. She takes the L, then Jack and Jen have their... Heart to heart, it's very cute because as previously discussed, Jack and Jen go on to become best friends. Yeah. And this is their second interaction. I, I mean, real interaction. The first one is in the dance when they get set up for the first time to be each other's dates. And they kind of realize they're both into the same couple. You know, he's into Joey. She's into Dawson. And this is their second little moment and they're bonding. They're bonding. He kind of says, I wish I was more like you. I wish I could talk to a stranger. Like, I wish I could lay it all out. You are to me. He appreciates her world experience, her life experience. And she was like, try it. Try it right now with me. (laughs) Yeah. It was really cute. It's like I mentioned in the dance episode, like, and like you just mentioned, they're pining for opposite people who are in love with each other so that that kind of puts a natural buffer between them but there's never really any hint of sexual tension like they just fall pretty naturally into a friendship in a way that i like i know the way she and i i know this is like this is crazy to think because his coming out episode is still a few away Mm -hmm. but it felt like didn't it feel like jen knows a little bit. It, it feels like she knows and she's like helping him kind of work through something or figure something. It's weird that I had that layered to it because I don't think Michelle was playing it like that because I don't think Michelle would have known. I don't think. Maybe. Maybe they all know it's coming. I mean, I did read that Jack was supposed to be gay the whole time. So like maybe it was going around set. I don't know. How cute are Andy and Pacey in the car at the end of the episode? The cutest. I mean, <laughs> they're my favorite couple. I love them. Cape sides kitties. She's changing his life. He's falling in love with her. They're going to have sex every night now. <laughs> the quote is, I'm falling hopelessly in love with you. Yeah, and his eyes are popping. <laughs> they are going to do it every night. Wouldn't you? 
Sure. I mean, I would then now. I would. I wasn't a whore. <laughs> I was not touched by a man until well into my 30. I was 30. <laughs> I well into my 30. <laughs> well into my 30th year. But then I went off the rails. Then I went off the rails. Then I was Jen Lindley pre Cape Side. Wow. I liked to bounce. <laughs> anyway. When they're in the car, there's a pan and a rack to the side mirror. And you can see how it says objects in mirror appear closer yeah. than they are or whatever that thing is. And it made me think of our mutual friend, Keenan. shout out, who was a roommate of mine when we first moved to LA. And he drove cross country. And when he got to LA, he was like, Objects in Mirror is a really good name for a band because he was driving so much and looking in the mirror so much that that's what he thought. And it really made me think of him. That is crazy because I always makes me think of Meatloaf. That makes sense. I think you should explain what a rack is because I know what a pan is, but I don't know pan and rack, whatever word you said. So a pan is when the camera moves left to right. A tilt which you did not ask me, is when a camera moves up to down, but just to give full Mm. context. And a rack is when the focus shifts. So it racks from an image, a reflection of Pacey and Andy kissing in the mirror reflection to the side mirror itself. So you see like the drops of water and everything and they go out of focus. So a rack is basically just shifting what is in focus within the frame. Nice. Learn something new every day. Like sometimes I feel like a lot of people have this experience, but if you're trying to take a picture out a window and there's something on the glass, or if you're trying to take a picture through a window and there's a screen, sometimes like the screen will be in focus and not the outside world. Or like if it's raining and you take a picture through a window, the rain will be in focus, but not the outside world. And you have to like click on different points of your iPhone to change what's in focus. That's basically racking. Nice. We love those little backstage moments behind the scenes. The moment... So Joey and Dawson have their little moment outside the school and they're chatting and trying to wait out the rain. And then Dawson goes, I don't think it's going to let up. Let's make a run for it. And Joey says, I say we walk. And that moment is like a core memory for me. Her saying that for some reason. I say we walk. You love them. You love them. You secretly love them. I hate them. I hate both of them. They're not good for each other. They're not good for other well i mean that's all i got that's all i got too i mean people should watch for themselves this is a good one this is episode 1000 percent. it's a great episode give it a go shall we do a creek speak let's do it this message is from jack's mom in burbank this podcast is so much fun i'm watching the show for the first time and i'm loving listening along weekly These two have fantastic chemistry and always have me laughing. Back to you, Bob, is a cut above the rest due to Micah and Christina's knowledge of the entertainment business. Drop what you're doing and listen. That's so nice. That is so nice. It's nice to hear that somebody is watching along for the first time. I love that. I'm glad people are doing that. So we have started posting uh, a Creek Speak every Friday, Fan Friday on our Instagram page. So if you've left us a review on Apple Podcasts or in our DMs, they will be posted. So keep an eye out for yours. Micah, continuing to do the most with our social media accounts. 
Monday is drink for the next episode, which is Tuesday's the episode. Wednesday is music moments. Thursday is Dustin draft. Friday is Greeks week. And Friday. Yeah. So it's a full-time job. Every day is something. It's a full-time job. Plane, another plane, club, club, another club. Next place, no sleep, no fear. <laughs> Lady Gaga. Did we do a Dawson's draft? Let's do a Dawson's draft. So this week, the category is hottest couple. Hottest couples. To me, that's like sexiest, sex tench, hottest. Yeah, not the best couple, not the most romantic right. couple, but like the most sexual on-screen chemistry. All right. My list is skewing like there's a lot of affairs. Because mm. those are always the steamiest. <laughs> Who goes first? So this is an odd episode. So you? I go first. Yeah. My instinct here, kind of strategically also, I think I'm going to take Carrie and Big. They are hot. There was some infidelity involved. They always had good sexual tension. Just love them. Interesting. There was an affair there. Yeah. I did not even think of them oh my gosh i was the team big so and i still am and i don't like how the new series is like retroactively trying to convince us that she wasn't really into big hate that i hate when they try to retroactively do things get out of town that new show is trash but i watch it every goddamn week (laughs) yeah they're hot for my number one I'm going with Olivia Pope and Fitz from Scandal. I didn't watch Scandal, but I know that people are in love with them. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They were really hot. You know, he was married to Millie, Affair. They had this theme that played whenever they got together. They would meet at their little country cabin house. They were it. You've got to watch Scandal. It's really good. It's like a good... I would say it's bingey because you could just crank through a bunch of them. Who's your number two? Okay. I strategically picked Carrie and Big first because honestly, I thought you were going to pick them. But my real number one hottest couple for me personally is Fleabag and Hot Priest. And I know that it's like they didn't even really have a relationship in the end, but the they weren't allowed to really do any, anything physical because he's a priest and that's against obviously the religion and their relationship is amazing their sexual tension was amazing the first time they kiss you're like oh my god i don't know it was i i just think they're the hottest couple i love that for you thank you we've chatted about season two of fleabag and i loved season one of fleabag and i liked season two of fleabag but the fact that people talk about season two like it is one of the best seasons of tv in, in the history of tv i love it didn't it. hit it didn't hit me on the level that it's hit a lot of people that i have mutual sensibilities with so mm-hmm. i feel like i need to give it a go again yeah my number two i'm going i'm gonna stick with shonda because shonda i mean if there's one thing no. she has to do don't stick with her. Don't take my next pick. It's not going to be your next pick. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you didn't watch this show. You didn't watch Okay, okay, show. okay. I don't think. Um, I'm going to go with Oliver and Connor from How to Get Away with Murder. 
I did watch that show and that is a good oh. pick, but it was not my next pick. They were just steamy. You know, it was a 10 o'clock time slot show. And like, they, I think they took full advantage of the 10 o'clock time slot for those sex scenes, especially some of the gay sex scenes. It was just very risque, very steamy. Gay couples to me, I am a little more, I'm harder on them because, you know, it's relatable to me. So I think I love them a lot less than I do straight couples. But um, I love them. So hot. Yeah, they were great. Love, love, love. Well, I know who your next one's going to be. <laughs> yeah, well, so, and this one's a little bit tricky, but I'm going to pick Derek and Meredith from Grey's Anatomy. They had same thing. It was born out of an affair, but kind of like affair adjacent. It wasn't like a strict affair. They were separated, but. Yeah, they had like a, they had a forbidden workplace romance kind of a thing. Yeah. And it was, you know, same thing. Very hot, very well, they won't, they, they would, it was wrong. We can't, we can, we can't, we can, we need to. And it was just great. I loved it. And then she started dating Chris O'Donnell, who was the vet. And then she cheated on him with Derek in the season two finale, which we've talked about because that's the episode where Denny dies. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good. And that was a steamy scene. Cause you see him like slip her underwear off and there's this crazy song playing. And then she has to choose between Derek and Chris O'Donnell. And Chris O'Donnell is one of the loves of my life. I Chris know, O'Donnell tough... and Joshua Jackson were <laughs> neck and neck and very similar. <laughs> that's a tough pick. I don't know who I would pick. Yeah, they're hot. Now, I just want to preface this list. Now, if we were doing best couples, I would probably pick Pacey and Andy because as we've, yeah, you know, as I've discovered on this rewatch, I'm obsessed with them. And I really think they're like my favorite couple to come out of this show. Do sure. they give me steamy? Do they give me hot? No. But I just want to say, so that's why they're not on here. Understood. So for my number three, I'm going to go with Dylan McKay and Valerie Malone from 90210. Hello. She came from Buffalo. She moved into Brenda's room. Brenda was dating Dylan. So like she kind of became obsessed with Dylan, but she was dating Steve initially. So she was like having sex with Dylan dating steve and then like kelly found out or donna one of them and like exposed her for being this like harlot from buffalo <laughs> and they were just hot yeah she's a bad girl i need to rewatch 90210 i've been having such an urge to do it yeah you should do it cue it up i think i'm gonna take noah and allison from the affair mm. i don't know did you watch that show i didn't i watched season one for joshua jackson and then i fell off so it's Joshua Jackson's wife slash ex-wife and Dominic West's character. And they're both kind of in this weird, he has a wife or an ex-wife. I don't know, whatever. It's born out of infidelity and it's hot. There's hot sex scenes. It's, it's hot. It was hot. I mean, the only reason I watched that show was like for the possibility of seeing a Joshua Jackson sex scene because it was called The Affair and I knew it was like steamy. You do see Joshua yeah, Jackson's butt. But. Yeah, I didn't stick with it. I didn't like the premise of the show. Hmm. Let me rephrase. I liked the premise of the show and how you see the same things from two different vantage points and how they change. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the same scenes, but you're seeing them very differently. That's very interesting to me. But something about the show, I don't know. Maybe it was him because I actually am not liking the crown this season. And maybe it's maybe it's him. I don't know. He's not sexy to me, like as an actor. 
I agree. I don't know. The character, the situation was very sexy, but and that that show went on and on. I remember it'd be like season six of the affair, and I'm like, season six? How many seasons? I honestly don't think I finished it. I have a rule where if a show begins to feel like a chore to watch it, if I'm like, ugh, I have to watch this week, then I stop. Life's too short. I wouldn't watch anything at that point. (laughs) I hate watch everything now. All right. My number four, I'm going to go with the most effed up affair I can think of. Tim Riggins and Lila Garrity. So Lila Garrity is dating Tim Riggins' best friend, Jason Street, who has a horrible injury in the pilot uh, on the football field. He's tackled and he breaks his neck. Yeah, yeah, he's paralyzed. He's paralyzed. And Lila is so upset at hearing the news. They're both so upset. They just turn to each other and they kiss at the end of the pilot. And then it just goes from there. So they're having an affair behind Jason Street's back. That's such a good one. I didn't even think of that. But it's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry to Jason Street, but... And Lila's going still every day to see him in the hospital. It's messed up. And those two together, I mean, they're both just like hot individually. Yeah. That's together. Beautiful. Okay. I think I'm going to take a newer a newer pick. I'm going to take Daphne and Cameron from the second season of White Lotus. They're the couple who are Ooh. both like cheating on each other. They're both very hot. They have a great sex life. They both just are kind of doing their own thing and and getting off wherever they want but it works for them. Like they are living a wild and crazy life and they're unbothered. And that to me, I'm like, if that, if you could, I could never, but if it works for you, it seems to be working out great for them. They are hot. I love Daphne. Love. She's sleeping with her trainer. He's sleeping with whoever he wants. We got a little peek of his undercarriage and he is stacked. It was a prosthetic, but yes. Well, I didn't say that the actor was. I just said that the character was. We don't talk about White Lotus. I mean, we do in the context of Mike White when he writes episodes, but it's the best show. I mean, let's mm. be real. Let's get real. It's so good. They just announced that season three is going to be super sized, which makes me nervous. I think a season one was six episodes. I think season two was seven. I hope they don't make it like 13. That makes me very nervous. Don't mess with a good thing. Yeah. So for my final pick, I'm going to pick... Buffy and Spike. Mm. Now, Buffy and Spike were not my, I always preferred Buffy with Angel. And we've talked about this. Like, I think I have a thing where like, if they tell me that these two belong together, I'm going to go with it. I'm like, that's kind of why maybe I like Dawson and Joey together. So I always thought Angel was the one for her. However, in season six, she's come back from the dead. She died at the finale of season five. She's not herself. Spike's kind of like the one that gets her. They start hooking up and there's literally an episode that's dedicated just to them having sex and they just they have like crazy sex because he's a vampire and she's like undead now kind of and they destroy a house like just from having (laughs) sex like they bring literally the house is like in shambles like the plumbing's all off there's water blowing everywhere and i mean if that doesn't get them on the list it's very twilight i've never broken a house i've broken a couch or two (laughs) so buffy and spike i mean they were hot Love it, love it. So my five were Carrie and Big, Fleabag and Hot Priest, Derek and Meredith, Noah and Allison, and Daphne and Cameron. And mine were Olivia and Fitz, Connor and Oliver, Dylan and Valerie, Tim Riggins and Lila Garrity, and Buffy and 
bike. Love it. Love it. That's it. So what are we drinking next week? Which is episode 212, Uncharted Waters. Jennifer. That's how you said it. (laughs) Jennifer. (laughs) She is 16 years old. Jennifer, where are my curlers? Next week, we will be drinking The Surrogate. It is three quarters of an ounce of Frambois, four ounces of Prosecco, and two dashes of orange bitters. Sounds refreshing. It actually sounds right up your alley. I'm excited for you to try it. I truly can't wait. Awesome. So that is the Dawson's drink. We will find out why it's called the surrogate next week. All right. All right. All right. We will see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.